There are lots of things in life that can attract our attention. We devote our time and our resources and attention to all sorts of stuff. Some of it's good, some of it's not so good. In this episode, we're looking at a few parables from Jesus that illustrate another key theme from his teaching. That is, the kingdom of heaven comes first. Welcome back. It's Doable Discipleship. My name is Doug Jones. And I'm Jason Wheeland. And this is a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your friendship with God. But, you know, we like to call it. The show that helps you grow. <laughs> I went to do the clap. Oh, me? That helps you grow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you haven't done a uh, clap and flourish in a while on that. No, we've we've had other things we wanted to talk about, so I got more excited about you know those other things. Speaking um, of other things we want to talk speaking about. Speaking of other things, hey, I was hitting that segue. <laughs> oh, I um, stole it. Before we get into today's parables, uh, which we got some great ones, uh, two small favors that uh, we would like to ask of you guys. First, do you know anybody who would benefit from doable discipleship? Uh, probably. I hope so. <laughs> I hope you do. Um, if so, probably of any value. <laughs> yeah, help us spread the word about the show by sharing it with a friend or a family member. Now, it could be as simple as just sending them a text right this minute. Just say, hey, check out Doable Discipleship Podcast or send them the link or whatever. If you really want to help, you could even post it on your social channels. Spread the word even more. Get it out there. Yeah, uh, and of course, saddleback.com slash doable is a good place to send people. If they want to check out the videos, they can do that. If they want to check out uh, just you know a link to iTunes, they can do that. Uh, that's a great way to get them to all the different ways that we go out. The second thing we'd love to ask is, if you've never taken the time to give us a rating or a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you would just take like maybe 60 seconds, maybe as much as 90 seconds to do that for us. It really helps us get the word out and kind of just proves to other people that we actually aren't so bad. And hey, and if you write a review in the next seven days, here's what we'll do. I'm thinking we'll even give you a shout out on an upcoming Whoa. episode. We'll say, hey, here's what so-and-so said. We'll say, hey, Karen, thanks for the Karen, review. thanks for giving us a three-star review. Uh. Really appreciate Oh, uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> we'd love a rating or a review. Really helps. So, from the bottom of our hearts, thanks for even just considering doing that. We know your time is important. Thanks for even thinking about it. And since we know your time is important, we're gonna get down into it. Uh, let's continue. So, this is actually this is part six of our series on the parables of Jesus. And obviously, from the feedback that we've gotten, is you guys are really enjoying this series, and we're really glad to hear about that. Um, so, we're excited to, uh, to continue this. I think we have. One more week? We've got uh, this and two more. It'll be eight weeks two more. total. All right. So um, if you're just joining us, obviously, go back, listen to the previous episodes, beginning with episode 84 called The Power of the Parable. We go into an overview of parables, and then from there on, we get into some great content. Today's theme is focused on the kingdom of heaven comes first. Sure is. And we're going to look at two uh, very super compact parables. In fact, they're each about... They're each exactly two sentences long. Um, they're you pack them together. It's well, they're two verses long. Well, they're no and no. They're th it's three verses long. It's two sentences per parable. Can oh, you just gotcha. I, trust I see, me I, for I once see what in your life. Saying. I see what you're saying. Gosh. Okay. Anyway, so we're gonna look at <laughs> two little parables. The first one is called the parable of the hidden treasure, and the second one is commonly called the parable of the pearl of great price, or 
you know, modern English, we could just say the really expensive <laughs> pearl. Um, and these come from Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46, which, as Jason yeah, I was incapable of counting, is three verses. Um, these will actually come back and read uh, other parables later in this episode, but these are the two that we're going to use as our stage setters today. So, let's look at the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl of great price. It goes like this. Jesus speaking says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Now, these two parables uh, say essentially the same thing. Uh, and what they're telling us is that the kingdom of heaven should be the thing that catches our eye, catches our focus and our attention more than anything else. That it's more valuable than anything else in life, and it's worth making sacrifices for. Come back to that a little bit later. Sometimes we we don't prioritize the kingdom very well, and I think commonly we make that mistake because we either aren't paying very close attention, or because we can't see past the just the basic distraction of of normal day-to-day life, or we're sort of like tantalized by other things, whether it's wealth or, or prestige or that kind of stuff. But notice in these two parables that both men were looking for a valuable prize. They were both on the hunt. So there was a man, there was a man who was on the hunt for treasure and found it in a field, hidden in a field, and a man who was on the hunt for a valuable pearl. And when each of them found what they were looking for, they sacrificed everything they had to get a hold of it. The verses tell us uh, the same phrase in, in, in both parables, he sold everything he owned and bought it. We'll come back to that later as well. So, and as a side note, it's not a major point here, but as a side note, notice that they did not steal the treasure. These were not pirates. They weren't out looking to snatch something for themselves uh, illegitimately. Instead, they both made sacrifices in order to gain the treasure in a legitimate way. And the kingdom of heaven is similar, where you cannot inherit the kingdom of God through shortcuts or cheating or lying or stealing or any of that stuff. It can only be entered in the legitimate way through Christ um, and then following him. All right, so what what is the kingdom of heaven? Now, this is something we've talked a, a little bit about on the show before in, in a different context. So if you, if you want to hear that context as well, we did a three-part series, I think it was, on the message of Jesus, where we had Brandon Bathour on the show and talked mm-hmm. a lot about the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven in that series as well. I think that the first episode in that series, I believe, is the Not Your Sunday School Jesus Not Your episode. Sunday School Jesus, yeah. So if you want to check that one out. And there's like the message of Jesus, the mission of Jesus, or something like that, were the other two episode titles. Yep. We'll link it in the show notes for you. Yeah. Uh, so what is the kingdom of heaven? So important to note is, is the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are synonymous in the Bible. They are used interchangeably at times. And a broad definition, really what we're talking, uh, a broad look at what this means is that the kingdom of God is the realm over which God reigns. So in this sense, in one sense, is the kingdom of God is, is universal because all of creation is a part of God's kingdom since God created everything and is the sovereign ruler over all that he has made. Pretty logical, right? Pretty logical. God made the universe. It's his. Generally, <laughs> if everything you make something, it. it's yours. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's generally how it goes, especially when it comes to God. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we get a, a narrow definition, which is really what we're going to be getting out here, is that the kingdom of God is wherever free creatures 
willingly submit to God's authority. As Pastor Buddy likes to say, it is the kingdom of God is where is is wherever God is made king. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when Jesus speaks about the kingdom in his teachings, such as this, it's always in this sense. It's always in the sense of people, free creatures who have free will to make choices in their life who choose God, who choose God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. And being a part of the kingdom in this way means renouncing my allegiance to any other kingdom or power and placing myself under the authority of my new king. It's saying, I know I have these choices. I know I can choose what I want to devote my life to or dedicate my life to or who I want to be the ruler of my life, and I choose God. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. It's in this real sense, we become true citizens of the kingdom of heaven when we withdraw our allegiance to this world and instead give our allegiance to God's kingdom. It's making that choice. It's being, it's in, and especially in the act of baptism, it's a public showing of that choice Mm -hmm. of saying, I am showing that I have renounced the kingdom of this world. And instead I am all in, in the kingdom of God. Yeah. It's like, that's such a, it has that strong burial motif. Yeah. The sense that the old allegiance, the old me, that's all gone away now, and a new me has come to life. Uh, several years ago, I, I I got to see this whole citizenship concept illustrated in a really powerful way. Um, my wife became a U.S. citizen back in, I'm not going to guess the date. It was about, <laughs> I guess it was about three, three year, two or three years ago. Yeah. Three or three and a half years ago. Joyce was born in Honduras. Um, and you know, we got married after a long, 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 she's, you know, grown up in the States, but after a long, tiring and let's be honest, rather expensive process, <laughs> she finally became a naturalized citizen of the U S which is a really, really big moment for our family. And, uh, she and her mom actually got to do that That's together so cool. and they stood together and, uh, at the ceremony, it was really, really actually a powerful, it's actually a really powerful moment, but I, I kind of got to got a real dose of this whole citizenship concept, and I started thinking about it in terms of uh, our our entrance into the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, every person, you may not know this, but every person who becomes a U.S. citizen has to recite an oath, and it's called the Naturalization Oath of Allegiance to the United States of America. And that oath really struck me, and I I went and, and revisited it online and went to the, to the, whatever, the .gov website and checked it out. Because it really encapsulates what it means to be a citizen of this country. Obviously, that's why they have you recite it uh, when you become a citizen. But it also encapsulates what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God as well. Uh, And I'm just, I'll take a quick little excerpt from the oath that I think just puts this really powerfully. And I think you'll you'll quickly be able to see the parallels here to what we're talking about and what Jesus taught. It goes like this. It says, I hereby declare on oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereignty of whom or which I have heretofore been a subject or citizen. And, you know, the, the oath goes on from there, and, and you know, you can, you can go Google that if you want, because it, it is actually it has a lot more spiritual parallels, parallels than just that one. But in essence, this oath is a declaration where the person is saying, I am no longer under the authority of any other country. I'm devoting my national loyalty, my national identity, my allegiance to the United States of America. And the same goes for our spiritual citizenship in the kingdom of heaven as well. We renounce all authority that was that was over us before. We're coming out of the kingdom of darkness. We're coming out of the kingdom of sin. 
the, the kingdom of rebellion. We're, we're turning from all that. We're saying, I am no longer under that authority. I'm placing myself willingly under the authority of God and of King Jesus. That's a, that's a powerful picture in my mind. And if you're listening f- from another country, I bet that your country probably has a very similar oath that is taken for anybody who becomes a citizen there. This is a very t- this is typical language for a citizenship oath. And uh, it's interesting that we see uh, so many spiritual, uh, spiritual parallels to that, I think. Is it pronounced a potentate or a potentate? I was going to ask you that because I don't actually know. <laughs> I would probably say potentate or, or, or potentate. Anyway, it's it's a word that you don't really hear in common language. It's one of those things that, <laughs> since I'll probably never use that word again, I won't even bother. Won't bother. Anyway, um, so so with this idea of your citizenship, of of seeking the kingdom of heaven, of renouncing the ways of this world, then the question is, does the kingdom of heaven have my full devotion? That should be a question that you're asking yourself right now. Does the kingdom of heaven truly have my full devotion? And there is a phrase that's repeated in both the parable of the treasure and the parable of the pearl. We we are told that each man sold everything he owned in order to gain the thing of value. What this tells us is that they held nothing back. They devoted everything that they had. It's the sense of being fully invested in in what they're going after. In this case, it's the kingdom of heaven. Is they they withheld no secret place. They kept nothing back. They weren't like ah, I'll I'll give everything but this. No, they went full in. And and the problem is is that we often think that we can have it all. We can have the treasures of earth and the treasures of heaven. We want to be citizens of the kingdom of God, but we also want to cling to the things of this world. We want to, you know, say, oh, we have our full allegiance to God, um, but, you know, I also really enjoy making tons of money, or, but I also really want pay, or power and fame, all this, all these different things. A pleasure. Pleasure, whatever, whatever it is. Um, but, it, that just doesn't work. In, in Matthew 6, 24, <laughs> tells us this explicitly. He says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. Divided loyalty is the same as disloyalty, because what we're talking about when we talk about loyalty, and especially loyalty in the sense of the kingdom of God, is is true focus, true, true um, allegiance was a word that we used earlier. Mm-hmm. And and what allegiance is getting gets at is is one is above all this. Mm-hmm. And everything else I, I I have renounced. It's it's I'm not a part of it anymore. I'm not I don't look to it. I as uh, in the same way anymore. So divided loyalty is the same as disloyalty in the sense that really, truly, you can't have a, a divided loyalty and say that you are truly loyal to both. Mm-hmm. does not work that way. Yeah. Uh, the book of James talks a lot about that. If you want to read more on that, go read the yeah. book of James. It's, it's a pretty short book, just you know, a handful of chapters. Um, but he talks about divided loyalty quite a bit and how a person whose loyalty is divided between heaven and earth is a person who's very uncertain and is kind of tossed around like a ship on the waves, uh, and that that mm. kind of person mm. shouldn't expect answers to their prayers or any of that stuff. How should how, why should you expect the kingdom of heaven to come to your aid when you haven't really given yourself over 
as its citizen. I love that idea, just quickly, of, of the ship and the waves. If you throw down your anchor in port, you, you, you are there. Mm-hmm. You know. So what this is, if you look at that sort of motif, mm-hmm. in terms of if I'm throwing down my anchor in the kingdom of God, and, I, and I, this is where I'm staying, but, but if you don't throw down your anchor, then you're literally being tossed around by the wind. It mm-hmm. can blow you back the other way. It can, you know... But you're saying, no, I'm grounding, I, I'm docking here. This mm-hmm. is where I'm at. Yeah. Or I can use another nautical image. What, sure. What's the flag that's flying, you know, on your ship, you know, as you go about your life? Like, who's, whose authority are you under? Whose law do you answer to? Do you answer to the law of heaven or to the laws of earth? Well, I don't want to put those two in conflict, actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus said, give to Caesar what yeah. is Caesar, and give to God what is God. You understand my point. Uh, So let's move on. So one important realization that we got to make, I think at this point, is that heavenly citizenship comes with earthly sacrifice, that you cannot have both equally. Uh, Like Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. And Jesus' teaching makes it pretty clear. And there are a few examples that we'll talk about here. And and again, there are lots of other examples that we could cover. and we'll maybe elaborate on these slightly as we go, but the point that we're making here is that all the stuff that we tend to cling to most vehemently in this life or in this world are typically the same things that Jesus wants us to let go so we can cling to the kingdom. Uh, So one thing we got to let go of is our selfish interests, whatever they may be. Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So Jesus tells us that there is a there is a path of of difficulty that lies ahead of every believer, everybody who wants to follow him. And that following him means denying ourselves. And denying yourself means withholding from yourself something that you could have so that you can have something of greater value. Again, that's exactly the point of the parable of the treasure and the parable of the of the pearl that you're letting go of something that you could have, all the wealth that you've ever earned, all the things that you've ever worked for, so that you can have the thing of even greater value, the treasure in the field, or that pearl of of great price, or some call it the priceless pearl. It's clearly not priceless, though, because he bought it. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't know, whatever. So letting go of selfish interests, whatever they may be. It may be selfish interests in your uh, in your work ethic. It could be selfish interests uh, in your family and relationships. It could be... Um, you know, clinging to to different sins that you've indulged in over the years, maybe sexual sin or, or uh, you know, addiction to a substance or something like that. You're letting go of those things so that you can follow Jesus. You're entering into that process of healing and growth and of more complete devotion to Christ. And then uh, a second one, and perhaps the most commonly talked about, but the most begrudgingly <laughs> talked about it can be, is the idea of letting go of earthly wealth. Now, hear me out. I'm going to read these verses first from Matthew 6, and then we're going to talk about it just a touch. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. What this is talking about is what are you truly investing in? Are you investing in things that are are temporal, in things that will fade away, that will go away? Or as the verse says, 
where moths and rust can destroy them? Or are you investing in things that will last for eternity, things of the kingdom of heaven, which will, which will reign for eternity? Now, this does not mean that being wealthy is evil or having money is necessarily a bad thing. It's not. The idea is that wealth should be held loosely because money is a tool. Wealth is a tool, and God is the one that gives us the ability to produce wealth. Therefore, it's the question of what are we using this tool for? Are we putting our identity into our wealth? Are we putting our... our, our security into our wealth, or are we thinking of wealth the way that God talks about it, in that it's a tool? It's a tool that can be that can and should be used for His purpose. It can a tool that should be used for the kingdom of God in bringing glory to God. Um, that's just, we just want to make sure where it's not a focus or a dominating point of our life. Mm-hmm. Um, another element that we want to talk about too is letting go of earthly reputation or prestige. We see this talked about in Luke chapter 9. He says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Um, There are times and situations and places where it might not be considered, quote-unquote, cool (laughs) to be a Christian, (laughs) Right, but what Jesus is telling his listeners is that being his disciple has a cost, and that anyone who wants to follow him must be prepared to sacrifice now in order to gain true blessings for eternity it's it's putting it's putting Christ in the kingdom of God ahead of what others may think of you mm-hmm. it's be, it's saying you know i don't I don't care if it's not considered cool to go to church. I want to go to church because I want to be with with my family of God and I want to be I want to worship and I want to learn and I want I want to fellowship with people. It mm. might not be cool to be seen reading your Bible uh when you're at Starbucks. At or Starbucks or, yeah. or, or wherever <laughs> or at school or at you know wherever it is. But instead, but it's saying, you know what? I want to be. I want to have the word of God poured into me every day. I want to focus, and it's it's not caring what other people think as long as you are focused on what God thinks. And God wants you to be. And and oftentimes, don't forget, God can use those to reach other people as well. So, yeah, have that have that in mind too. Letting go of earthly reputation and prestige to focus on eternal implications yeah yeah care care about what god thinks more than you care about what other people think yeah all right let's look on uh <clears throat> kind of as we continue illustrating this point about the the need for us to be willing to make sacrifice in order to to uh, enter in fully to the kingdom luke chapter 14 verses 26 through 33 <clears throat> jesus talks about about this topic exactly and he talks here very Honestly, it's a very sober thing that he's saying to to those who who come along and say they want to follow him. Here's what he says. If you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Now, hear what he's saying here. He's not saying hate people. He said, obviously, Jesus is the one who said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So, 
Of course, that's not what he's saying. But pick up on the words carefully here. The NLT puts this really well. It says, you must hate everyone else by comparison. What this means is your love and allegiance to Jesus and his cause must be so great that it supersedes every other love and every other focus of your entire life. Otherwise, you can't be his disciple, he says. Picking up in verse 27, it says, And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. <laughs> Jesus, like, I, I love just how honest he is. Everyone will laugh at you. <laughs> yeah. And they would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. <laughs> or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he'll send a delegation to discuss terms of peace with the enemy while they're still far away while they're still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. <laughs> I just love that Jesus not only sets up the joke of, of, of you can't afford to finish it, and others will laugh at you, but then he expands on the Here's joke and says, say. they will say, look, there's the man who couldn't afford the, to finish the building. I know, he was, he was <laughs> laying it on him. Jesus. Again, that was Luke 14, 26 through 33, if you want to earmark that or go back and check it out later. Um, so, so what I'm trying to say here is that there was no bait and switch happening with Jesus. Jesus was not like, he was not like a timeshare salesman who's like trying to like lure you in with some fancy deal, but then in the end, it's actually worse than it looked or whatever. Those of you who are timeshare fans, like, hey, don't be offended. <laughs> Jesus was really honest about what sacrifice would be required if if someone wanted to follow him. And, and you know what? We should thank him for that. He's not saying like, hey, come in, come be my follower and everything's going to be peachy every day of your life. He's like, nope. Actually, the world hates me. It's probably going to hate you too. You're going to have to give up everything that you own. And what does he say? He's not, he's not just saying, you know, punish yourself by being my follower. That's not what this is about at all. What he's saying is that you live in a fallen world, and if you want to live according to the kingdom of heaven, it's going to put you at odds at times with the kingdom of this earth. It will put you sometimes at odds with uh, this fallen, broken, sinful world that we live in. And that is not an easy journey. That is not an easy thing to go through. And so Jesus himself didn't just tell us we were going to have to sacrifice and tell us what it was going to require, but he, he was willing to sacrifice for the kingdom himself. In fact, he made the greatest sacrifice for the kingdom. In fact, he made the sacrifice that brought the kingdom to earth, and he told his followers that they needed to be willing to do the same. I want to shout out uh, The Cost of Discipleship mm. by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Oh, yeah. Great book. Quite long. Quite long, but I'm and it can be a little a little harder to get through. But if you take it just chapter by chapter or bit by bit, mm. it, he really goes into detail about what it truly means mm. to pick up your cross and follow him. And yeah. the, what it what it truly means in this world to that you pay to be a disciple of Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, for those of you who don't know, was a German uh pastor. And I think we could say he's pastor and theologian uh, yeah. leading up to World War II. And so he was a guy who was living in the tension of obeying Jesus and doing what was right and, and living according to the kingdom of heaven at a time when his country was, was taking a turn into real, into real darkness. Uh, and that placed him, as I said a minute ago, that placed him very much at odds with 
the kingdom of this world. So read his story. Also, uh, Bonhoeffer, which is his uh, his biography, mm-hmm. is a great one as well. It's very long, but if you want to read a story about a man who stood in the face of darkness and evil and maintained his his the integrity of his faith and continued to be a follower of Jesus, very much in the same way um, that the apostles did uh, who were persecuted for their faith and many of them were killed, um, in the end, Dietrich Bonhoeffer laid down his life uh, following Jesus and seeking to do what was right. Um, so great story, great man, and really worth reading the, st- the stuff that he wrote. Really good stuff. Now, <clears throat> we talked about sacrifice. If you want to follow Jesus, it's going to require sacrifice. Uh, some will have to sacrifice more than others, but Jesus has said, you've got to be willing to lay down everything that you've got if you want to, if you want to inherit the kingdom. Now, I think a fair question is, what's the alternative? You know, what does life look like if I don't do that? If I'm not willing to make that sacrifice, or if I want to keep living in the lukewarm state where, in the end, Jesus doesn't have my complete allegiance, and I'm not really following him with everything that I've got. Well, Jesus actually gives us that alternative in Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. And he gives another parable that paints the other side of the picture. So if you have the parable of the treasure and the parable of the pearl on one side, this is the other side of that coin. It goes like this, Luke 12, 15. It says, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, What should I do? I don't have room enough for all my crops. It's a great problem to have. <laughs> then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you've got enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, Jesus says, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Now, <clears throat> here we are talking about money again. I get it. You're like, geez, you really don't, <laughs> you really like, are you down on money or you know, what's that all about? Nope. Stop we're not. hitting me over the head <laughs> yeah. with my wad of bills. I know. Look, we're talking about money a lot because guess what? Jesus talked about money a lot. A lot. He knew that it was probably for most people the single biggest barrier to a close relationship with him. So many of the parables talk about money. Many of them deal with wealth and possessions, and that is because wealth and possession and various shiny things captivate our attention and lure us away <laughs> from the kingdom of God, right? So you, he wants us to stay on track. He wants us to stay on that, that narrow path to life, but money and possessions is one of those things that just hooks us and pulls us off pulls us off track. So we should think of Jesus as very merciful for speaking to this issue as often as he did, because it's, it is him speaking to this issue the way he did that really keeps us safe. <laughs> Jason is so distracted. The trees are just blowing in the wind by behind There's us. a palm tree against the building that's just scraping. There's a storm blowing in. I was thinking of the song Shiny from Moana. Oh, yes. Don't be like the snail. Yeah. Uh, I think he was a hermit crab. Was it? A giant, I don't remember. He was a giant hermit crab. Okay. Um, Jermaine, what's that guy's name? Clement. Clement, great. (laughs) 
Great Why do song. I know that? Great I've never work. seen it. Okay. Anyway. You know everything, man. <sighs> I know that if ever I start a name or a sentence, you'll finish it for it's, me. I usually do. Because <laughs> we're buds. It's true. All right. Uh, Read the C.S. Lewis quote. I want to end with a, a really great quote. So we're, we're talking about the two sides of this coin. You can either live for this world and lose, lose the kingdom of heaven in the process, or you can live for the kingdom of heaven and, and actually have both. And here's a quote from C.S. Lewis that makes it really, really explicit and really cool. He says, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. And what he's saying here is that it's actually, there's a couple layers to this, actually. So this whole idea of aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in idea is, I think, twofold. For one, if you live your life in a heavenly-minded way, you will actually enjoy God's, God's blessings here on earth. It doesn't necessarily mean like you become rich or any of that stuff. What it means is that you will live this life here and now with a rich relationship with God, which is life's greatest, uh, which is the, the greatest end that your life could ever build toward. A rich relationship with God is the best thing that you can enjoy in this life, more than any of those other things. So in that sense, in a very real way, you aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in now. You get the life that's the John 10, 10 life that I always talk about right now. But there's also an additional side of that where if you live for heaven and you focus on your citizenship in the kingdom of God, guess what? There is a very real inheriting the earth that happens in the end when everything is mm-hmm. said and done. And remember in past episodes we've talked about in the end, this earth is recreated and this earth is the eternal home for all people who love and follow God. And so <clears throat> in a very real sense, you get... You kind of inherit the earth now by enjoying that that life of blessing with God, and you get the earth eternally by um, devoting yourself to the kingdom, which ultimately comes to earth in its full, in its full regalia, full expression of full, full beauty. regalia. Um, right. it's that time of the show. Play the tune. All right, we're back. It's doable time. <laughs> this one is a little bit more. Uh, intensive than uh, perhaps ones that 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 we've done as of recent but it's very important and i think it's going to it, it has the potential to be game changing for you and just how you think about your daily life absolutely set aside 30 minutes this week for an exercise called an activity audit that sounds scary but it's not you're like audit <laughs> yeah, you're no, already wait. hiding under your couch <laughs> <laughs> um okay so i'm going to walk this through step by step Write down all the things that you do throughout the week. <laughs> Couldn't ask for anything more. Write down all the things that you do throughout the week and try to be as specific and granular as you can. You can include things like like work or school, chores that you have to do, shopping, commuting, reading, praying, watching Netflix, doing laundry, walking the dog, uh, you know, cooking, whatever it is, as much as you can think of. Literally, Karate. Practice, yeah, obviously the karate, <laughs> the painting, you know, the murals you're working on, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, you don't now you don't need to write about it in in chronological order or arrange it by the day of the week. The point is really to just to make a list of all of the activities that you do, kind of just one big list for just the week, one big pile. Exactly. Soccer practice, include that on there. Oh yes. Once you've made your list. Go back with a highlighter or a different colored pen or whatever and mark all of the items that are producing treasure in heaven. What? 
So which activities are enriching your relationship with God? Which ones are fulfilling God's purpose for your life? Which ones are of eternal value? Ask yourself these questions. Go through each activity, each thing on your list, and ask these questions of that. And if if it's a yes, mark it with that highlighter. Now, you know what we didn't mention? Going to church could be a oh, thing on well, your yes, list. Sure. <laughs> your small group. Um, we talked serving, only about things. <laughs> serving in the, yeah. Um, include those things too, please. Yeah, all, all that stuff. <laughs> Listening to Doable, you know, whatever. Hey, sure. Um, Telling uh, a friend about Doable. <laughs> <laughs> sharing it on your social channels and giving us a rating or review. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, once you've done that, uh, look at all of the activities that did not get highlighted. How how does that percentage look compared to the ones that did get highlighted? Think about ways that you could begin surrendering those unhighlighted areas to Christ and adding kingdom value to them. For example, instead of just going to work and clocking in and, and trudging through the day, maybe you could start praying for your coworkers on your drive into the office or on your lunch break. Um, or maybe consider starting a workplace small group. You can go to saddleback.com slash works uh, for info on that. Or maybe, like a, a whole other example, is when you're walking the dog, you can start to look for opportunities to start conversations with neighbors, getting to know them, or eventually, and then eventually begin talking to them about Jesus or inviting them to church or, or, or whatever it is, getting more involved with the lives of your neighbors, being community. Um, now, you may find that starting a new habit or stopping an old habit or changing a current habit will add kingdom value to your daily life. Mm-hmm. It's just looking at, at the things that you do in your life from a, a different viewpoint, a different vantage point, and trying to be more intentional in it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think an important thing to uh, to keep in mind here, too, is that this isn't just about, like, deleting stuff, like, oh, man, look at all the time I spend doing things that aren't kingdom-related. Like, oh, my job is not, like, you know, I don't do, like, full-time Christian work or anything like that. You know, I, you know whatever I do, I work at a, I'm a registered, or I work the register at a car wash or something like that. Like, that's, you know, what, how can I, how can I, you know, how can I change that or whatever? But think about not just how you can eliminate stuff, but think about how you can infuse kingdom mm-hmm. thinking into the things that you're already doing on a daily basis, like those examples that Jason gave a second ago. So be thinking about, okay, look, I, I live in this world. I, I got to make a living. I got to, I got to go, I got to take care of my kids. I got to go about my business. But how can I start being heavenly minded in the way that I, that I do that stuff? Uh, for uh, I'll give you one example from my wife, Joyce, when she takes uh, Amelia, our daughter to school every day, um, she's always on the lookout for moms that are kind of hanging around and maybe look kind of alone or that kind of thing. She has a heart for for just chatting with people and making people who look like they're on the outside feel like they're on the inside. Um, that's something that she has a big heart to do. So she's decided that when she goes to and from school to pick up Amelia, she's going to have her eyes out and she's going to strike up conversations with women so that they can feel like they've got a friend at the school. And so that's a tiny, tiny little way that you can be that she's being unselfish and is focusing on caring for others and loving her neighbor, very kingdom focused, but she's infusing that into her normal daily routines. So that's the point. And I, I wanted to add to what we'll do 
as I'm reading this, I'm like, you know what? This is a lot <laughs> for us to just tell you to do, and then you're supposed to remember it all. So what I'll do, I I will create. Uh, I'm going to create a PDF document for you that you can just download and print out, so that you can it'll have the instructions on there, uh, and then have some you, lines Doug. where you can just you can start listing all your stuff. Just hear all the thank yous. You're welcome, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's really no trouble at all. It's it's really nothing. <laughs> so I will I'll include that in the show notes for hey, you as it's well. Kingdom work. Kingdom work. Hey, it's a little bit of kingdom work in this kingdom work we're doing. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, I think we pretty much covered everything for today. Uh, Jason, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a pleasure. I'm excited to stop hearing these branches thrapping against the window behind us. Hopefully that's not coming through in the recording. I'm just ready for some rain. Come on, rain. It said 100% chance of rain today, and it has not happened So yet. far, nothing. And it's 1048 in the morning on a Thursday, if anyone's know, wondering a, when this is happening. A morning recording. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and we weren't like, uh, I don't think we were too dull no. for a morning recording. You hopefully, may differ, listeners. Hopefully but no one disagrees. Yeah. Well, now we're just rambling. So let's wrap it up. We're going to be back next week. Again, we got two more weeks of this series, and then we're going to move on to a whole new slew of other great things. So I say slew a lot on the show a lot. I do really, you? <laughs> really stop. I think I do. Hmm. I got to stop doing that. Anyway, uh, you know, we love you, and we hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of video content. And if you're already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app, so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events. Lastly, you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com. Send us your thoughts, send us your questions, your Bible questions, your life questions, whatever. Who knows? Your question just might inspire an upcoming episode. Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Doug Jones, and I hope you'll join us again next week.